so I, I'm glad to be back with you. I'm glad to be back home. Um, for those of you that didn't know, um, I spent a couple weeks in England for work. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit jet lagged, um, getting thankful to be back home. Um, but I'll tell you that tonight has been a Not dread, but this topic has been on the calendar probably since January or February, and in light of recent events, um, it's kind of hard to talk about this and current events at the same time because it almost feels rushed. But um, uh, I didn't feel like we should change the topic, but rather uh, really dive into it. So um, I know tonight will be difficult. Just talking about forgiveness in general can bring up a lot of uh, memories and wounds and with current events, I know it's going to be especially difficult. Uh, but God doesn't want us to shy away from difficult things. He wants to walk through them with us. So um, if you could, please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for how you have forgiven each of us. God, I pray that you would remind us of that as we go through tonight. Lord, we are quick to look at other people and look at what they've done to us, Lord. But keep us mindful of your great love and how you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're, we're working through our Conversations with Jesus series, and uh, for lack of a better title, this is called Forgiveness Algebra, and this is, that's supposed to be Peter and Jesus walking and talking. Um, side note, if you would like to draw some illustrations or you know somebody that would like to draw illustrations so I don't have to just pull stuff off Google, that would be awesome. Um, but uh, we're going to be looking at Peter and Jesus and their conversation about forgiveness. So our... Our big idea for tonight. All right, the depth of your belief in God forgiving you is going to enable you or limit your ability to forgive someone else. So how much you've realized that God has forgiven you, that's going to enable or limit you to forgive someone else. In other words, those that who are forgiven little, they're going to forgive little. Those who have been forgiven much, are going to forgive much. So, uh, if you're a kid, raise your hand one more time. Do any of the kids remember anything about Peter? Anything at all? Maybe adults want to chime in and, and help out. He had a name change. Ready, fire, aim. Yes, he spoke before he thought. He's going to do that again tonight. He's going to do that again. Um, anybody else? Yeah, so this is kind of encouraging to church leaders. Somebody who was this, you know, raw and rough and kind of ragged, Jesus turned him into a leader in the church. So that, that gives me hope. Um, Hopefully that's comforting that to other people. <clears throat> uh, 
A couple other things. Uh, This fisherman, he wasn't formally trained, yet he preached at Pentecost, and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. That wasn't because Peter was an awesome, gifted speaker. That's because the power of God was behind Peter. Uh, He was rebuked for, I guess for lack of a better term, racism in the church. He repented of that and moved on. Uh, this, This led to reconciliation between the Jews and the Gentiles in the church. And we know that he was martyred for the church. Uh, we don't know quite exactly how, but he was a martyr. So he went from this rough fisherman to being a martyr for the church. We know his personality, right? He's ready, fire, aim. Think later. And at times he would display just amazing courage. And other times he'd just be like, Peter, what are you doing? Just kind of staggering stupidity almost. And we're really easy to beat up on Peter, but I'm glad my life was not recorded in this agonizing detail like Peter's was. So let's, let's not beat up on Peter too quickly. So before we dive in and jump to Peter and Jesus talking, have some really simple questions, but I think we need to, we need to go through it. not a trick question. What is forgiveness? Right, it's, it's, some, it's a word that we've used so often, so long in Christianity, sometimes it becomes it's just second hand. Like we just kind of go, go through the motions and go over it. But the word picture of forgiveness is literally somebody taking something from someone else to lift up, to bear another burden. There's the idea of, I can't carry this anymore, and someone's going to carry it from me, take it from me. So we'll, we'll play a little game later to kind of drive that home. Uh, but any of the kids, can you think of a story in the Bible where somebody had to forgive someone else? Anybody? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Joseph and his brothers. What did, what did Joseph's brothers try to do to Joseph? Anybody remember? If you do, just kind of shout it out. They, well, originally they said, hey, let's kill him. And then I think it was Reuben said, hey, wait a minute. Let's not go too far. So that was the next greatest idea. Let's just sell him into slavery. That'll get rid of them, right? So definitely a strained relationship, right? Wanted to kill him. Said, well, we'll just sell him into slavery, right? They were jealous of Joseph. They were angry. They stole from him. They sold him into slavery, and they plotted against him. And then decades later, what happens? 
There's a famine in the land, and Joseph's brothers say, oh, we have to go down to Egypt. Why? Because they have food. And who is, in, who is second in command in Egypt? Joseph. So imagine, imagine, I'm not trying to get political, but just imagine, right, that you have wronged the vice president. Way back when, you tried to do some mean things to the vice president. And now you have to go before the vice president and say, can I have food for my family? Or substitute whatever political figure, business figure, whoever. Maybe you've been in a business situation where somebody burned a bridge and it, it, it came back to, to haunt them. And what does Joseph do? Does he say, throw them in jail, throw them in the pit? I want them to be my personal slaves. I want them to be my food tasters and go ahead and poison the food. Joseph doesn't do that. He eventually gives them food. And it, it takes him a while. He has to kind of figure it out because he's so shocked to see them. There's like two or three instances where he's just trying to figure out what to do. And finally, he reveals himself. I'm your brother. Right? And there's, there's forgiveness and there's restoration. When there could have been revenge. So we want to talk about what is forgiveness. Again, it's, part of it is that word picture of somebody, they lift up something and it's taken from them. It's kind of the word picture. But forgiveness is, we're going to go through a few things. Forgiveness is acknowledging the wrong. We have to acknowledge the wrong. We can't dance around the issue. We can't just be vague. Like, no, this is, this is what happened. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, this isn't a trick question. What does it mean to confess something? Admit. The, the word picture here is like two things are kind of held up together, and we have to come into an agreement. So the idea if we are confessing our sin to God is, here's God's law, and here's my life, and what God calls sin. I'm just going to agree. I'm not argue about it. I'm not going to try to redefine what sin is. Has anybody ever been around somebody that likes to argue for the sake of arguing? And like you say, man, it's a really nice day today. And what do they say? It's, it's a tad humid. The UV index is a little too high. It could be about two or three degrees cooler. It's like they want to nitpick everything they just can't agree right and some of us are kind of like that with God God is saying hey this is this is what holiness is this is what sin is and we're like well you know can we, can we change that a little bit I don't quite agree with what you're saying God but no if we confess if we come into agreement with God let sin be sin as he defines it so if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
right? So Jesus had plenty of conversations with the Pharisees where they would not confess. They wouldn't come into an agreement with Jesus about what sin was, about what holiness was, about who God is. They wouldn't agree. They wouldn't confess, right? That's the positive use of confess. I confess that God is who he is, right? I agree. So forgiveness is, first step is acknowledging the wrong. And this next part, this is where it gets good. I love this part. The next step is asking God to remove our sin. Right, this is that, that word picture of something being lifted, something being carried away. Psalm 103, 8 through 13 says this. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Praise God. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. Verse 12. As far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Think about that for a minute. As far as the east is from the west, right? Something you can't even understand. That distance is how far our transgressions are removed from us when God lifts them and takes them away. So to contrast that, have you ever been around somebody that when you, when you confess something, they don't remove it far away from the situation. They keep it real close. Right, so when, oh, so-and-so messed up again. They've got it right there as a record. Hey, you did this again. Right, or it looks like you might mess up. Oh, they, they, it's right there. Throw it in your face. God doesn't do that. He's not standing by waiting to, to throw things in our face. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. Hopefully, as believers, we, we don't do that to other believers, right? We keep a, a short record of wrongs. We don't, we're not quick to throw things back in people's faces. So this, this begs the question from this word picture. If forgiveness is literally the idea that something is being lifted off of one person, where is it being put? Right, there's, there's sin being lifted off this person. Where is it being put? First Peter chapter 2, verse 23 says this. When he, Jesus, was reviled... He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. Verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Did you see that in verse 24? Our sin is lifted off of us, and it was placed onto Jesus. 
And it's not just a, it's not a daily thing that we have to constantly get re, the sin retaken off, right? We have to, we have to confess that Christ died once and for all for all of our sin. All of our sin was placed on him. So what else is forgiveness? It is also a commandment from Jesus. Matthew 6, uh, verse 12 says this, as Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. It says, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Okay, so we're to forgive, okay. But Jesus adds a little commentary right after. Verse 14 For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Now, sometimes this this sounds really scary. Wait a minute. God's not going to forgive me if I don't forgive other people? Right? This is one of those verses that often gets used to manipulate people into a works-based theology. Jesus isn't talking about your forgiveness to be saved and justified. He's talking about kind of your ongoing fellowship with him. So if you want to maintain fellowship with God, right, we have to, we have to uh, go to him and confess our sins regularly. But we don't have to confess and re-get, re- get re-saved every day, right? Does, does that make sense? So if we, if we make a habit of withholding forgiveness from others, that's going to bleed over into our relationship with God, and things are going to get stagnant. And all of a sudden, we're going to say things like, man, God just seems far away right now. He's not really working in my life. And sometimes that just means, right, we need to forgive someone else, that there's something we're holding on to. So lastly, forgiveness is a requirement for the people of God. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 is a beautiful chapter. It gives instructions for for how the church should operate, how the family of God should live together in peace and harmony. It's beautiful, and at the very end, it says this. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. This is nice. This is warm and fuzzy. We love this. And then Paul says, forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. So there's this gentle reminder at the end. Right? As we're in the family of God, we're going to do and say things that inadvertently we sin against each, each other. And what does it take to make the family of God keep going? One of those things is forgiveness. By God's grace, we forgive each other. By God's grace, we, in truth and gentleness, confront each other. Um, Chuck Swindoll, he gave this analogy about the Christian family. So imagine it is a really, really cold night, 
and instead of instead of people you and I are porcupines it's a really really cold night so what do what do animals do when it's cold they they huddle together but we're porcupines so what do we do as we get close to each other we don't mean it but we, we kind of poke each other like we poke each other as we get closer so what do we do we move away from each other but it's cold so we move back together right? and that's that's kind of how sometimes it goes in the family of God sometimes that's how it goes in a family right even with our two little people in the house I can attest to there's plenty of days when we poke each other we don't mean to but we have to forgive one another Kevin's not here so I'll talk about him um, some marriage advice that he gave a while ago is he asked a question, uh, what does it take to keep a marriage going? And the, the young couple at the time said, love, love is all you need. And Kevin, in his gentle way, said, wrong! It takes grace and forgiveness to keep a marriage going. Right? Because there's, there's things that we whether by plan or by accident, we, we do and say things to hurt each other. We have to acknowledge and, and forgive each other. So forgiveness, first off, it's acknowledging the wrong. Right? We don't dance around it. We don't, we don't call it something else. We call it like we see it. Right? We ask God to remove our sin. We ask God for forgiveness. It's a commandment from Jesus that we are to forgive one another. And lastly, it's, it's a requirement for the people of God, for the, the family of God, and even for our little families. So that's what parts of what forgiveness is. We want to look at what forgiveness is not. So number one, forgiveness is not easy. It's not easy. Depending on what has been done to us, forgiving someone is not easy. Consider Joseph. Right? It, it took him some time to get to forgiveness. There were, there were three different meetings with his brothers, and the first two were just kind of like, I just need to buy some time to figure out, are these guys sincere? Do they, do they have any sorrow in their heart? Like, what's going on? but it, it's not easy. And you may have things in your past that's difficult to forgive others. Uh, considering current events, right, it's going to be difficult to forgive. Uh, I want to share with you uh, a story. Um, some of you have heard this before. Uh, I know a lot of you have uh, met my dad. Um, way back in 1975, so this was like almost 10 years before I was born, uh, he was in a car accident. Uh, he was driving home from playing pool with his friends kind of late in the night, kind of like I've done many times myself. 
he was going through a green light and through a red light came a, uh, a kid, an 18 year old ran the red light and uh, my dad got hit by a drunk driver. Um, the, the telephone pole has been replaced finally, but you could see the chunk that came out of the telephone pole. And so my dad went straight through, he got T-boned. So he spun around, the other car went through the intersection, my dad was spinning through, the flow of traffic caught him and pinned him against the telephone pole. So the other guy went free and he got pinned. So the drunk driver, the kid, he got a broken jaw, which I've never had a broken jaw. I don't want a broken jaw. Uh, but my dad, he had a shattered pelvis. He had to have three hip reconstructions, three replacements. For a year, he didn't have a hip joint. So they were just trying to figure out what do we do with this? Um, the top of his femur, there's supposed to be a ball in a socket. That just got sheared off. So they didn't know how to reconstruct that femur. There's actually a paper written about him at Duke University, how they figured out how do we put this guy back together. Uh, 1975 was one of the first years that San Antonio EMS started carrying blood and plasma on board, which was further grace from God to help keep my dad alive because he had so many injuries and internal injuries. They just said, keep pumping him full of fluids. Just get him to the hospital. They didn't even try to stop it. There were just so many. They just said, keep pumping him full of fluids. And so in the prime of his life, my dad was about 25, 26. He has basically all of his athleticism. Right? The Halls aren't really athletes. <laughs> but all of his athleticism, all of his abilities just taken from him. And so as a kid, I didn't understand. Because I came into the picture 10 years later. I didn't understand why my dad couldn't run. I remember really clearly trying to play baseball with him and like yelling at my dad, like run, like he couldn't. It was like years later and I remember this like, oh, kind of a jerk there. And it, it was years later when I finally realized I had a lot of anger towards someone I had never met because I felt like they had stolen something from me. And so it, forgiveness can often be forgiving someone you've never met because you're dealing with the aftermath of what they've done to you or someone around you. And so there's a lot of times, especially now when I see my dad struggle with something, sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to be angry, like, God, why did you let this happen? Why did, why did that kid have to be at that light at that time on that day? I just have to leave it with the Lord and say, you know what, I, I forgave that a long time ago. God, help me to continue to forgive that person, even though I've never met them. Help me to, help me to forgive. So forgiveness is often not easy when we really confront some of these big issues.
Forgiveness is not the same as trust. They're, they're two different things. Forgiveness should be given freely. Right? When someone wrongs you and they come back penitent and they say, I'm sorry, forgiveness should be given freely. As God has forgiven us, right? God has freely forgiven us. But what about trust? Well, I think the parable of the talents gives us insight on how we build a trust with God. I won't read the whole thing to you, but the parable of the talents, right? The master, who is Jesus, goes away. He leaves three people back in charge of his business. He gives one guy ten talents, I believe. And the guy with ten talents turns it into another ten. The guy with five talents turns his five talents into another five. And the guy with one talent, does anybody remember what the person with one talent did? They buried it in a mayonnaise jar, right, in the backyard. Okay, it wasn't a mayonnaise jar, but... Sorry, I was in Britain. They cover everything in mayo. It's just... Instead of taking the thing that God gave him and saying, Lord, how do I use this to further your kingdom, to further your glory? I'm going to bury it in the backyard and hope I don't forget about it. So when Jesus comes back and says, okay, how did, how did, how did my managers do? To the one that had 10 and earned another 10, what did Jesus do with that person? More was given to that person. Right? There was more trust to the person who had five. Well, in proportion, God gave him more. And to the person who buried the talent in the backyard, Jesus had very harsh words for that person. He said, take them away. Take them away to the place where there is gnashing of teeth and much weeping. So to the person who says, Lord, I want to be faithful and, and, and be trustworthy with what you've given me, the Lord will give more. And, and there's a principle there. To the person who's not trustworthy, the Lord isn't going to give them more. Right? Think of, right, we're trying to find more people to run nursery, Right? Let's say somebody, you know, we, we run background checks on the people that try to run nursery, right? Not because we don't believe in grace and redemption and all that. But we're called to also be right, good stewards of our kids. We're called to also be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. Right? We're, not, we're not called to just be poor stewards. So forgiveness is not the same as trust. I have one question for you, and another question, I guess. And you should know the answer. What is one thing that takes a lifetime to build and can be lost in a second? Reputation. Yeah, reputation and trust. Yeah. You can lose it all in one, one second. 
So forgiveness should be freely given, but we have to earn trust. Uh, along with the same lines, forgiveness should not be held hostage. Right? It shouldn't be this weird game of, well, I'm going to forgive you if you do this, 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 and this. Right? That's, that's getting into something that's not healthy. God doesn't do that with us. I'm going to forgive you if you do these hundred things. And if you, sl- if you slip up on one, then forgiveness revoked. Right? That's, that's borderline manipulative. So forgiveness shouldn't be held hostage, shouldn't be held over your head. God does not withhold forgiveness from a humble and broken-hearted person. Psalm 151, 16, and 17 says this. This is David speaking and writing. For you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. God doesn't want us to to wallow around and say, okay, you've suffered enough, I forgive you. He freely gives it. Forgiveness doesn't make things the way they used to be. This is one of the, the toughest things about forgiveness and about sin. I'm stealing this from Dr. Mendez. He, he likens sin to almost like a cartoon, Looney Tunes. Imagine it's snowing, you're at the top of a snow peak, and you have a little snowball. And what happens in all the cartoons? You push the little snowball down the snow hill, what happens? It's bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the little village at the bottom of the hill, what happens? That little snowball can, you know, run over somebody's house or whatever. And that's how sin is sometimes. Before we sin, it's we tell ourselves or the devil tells us, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's just a little just a little thing. And then afterwards, sometimes it rears its ugly head and there's no telling how many lives it destroys and affects. So so sin is like that. That, like that little snowball. When we push it down the hill, we can't always see who it's going to hurt, whose life it's going to destroy. Consider, consider David. After his fleeing with Bathsheba, his life was never the same. And it was often in chaos. Consider Moses. Moses, the great Moses, even after all his achievements and all his victories, he messed up and God said, that's it. You can't come into the promised land. There was was a consequence for his sin. On the flip side, consider Joseph. God was able to work for restoration with Joseph and his family. So sometimes God is able to make and work something new. And other times, 
it. The consequences can last a lifetime. You just don't know. So we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about the perspective that someone has hurt me. Maybe you're the one that has hurt someone else. If you have, right, the advice I have for you is simple in word, but it's difficult in action. Confess that to the Lord. Confess that to the person you've wronged. And then keep walking in repentance. If you if you are that person, and we've all been we've all been that person at one time or another. Right, there's there's always the, the naysayers and the people that might throw your history in your face. You, you can't do anything about them. All you can do is, is give that to the Lord. And hopefully, as, as a family of God, we won't be quick to, to throw history in other people's faces. Right? We'll be quick to offer forgiveness and offer encouragement. God can restore. He can make things new. So lastly, forgiveness is not a license to sin. We see this in Romans chapter 6. It sounds, it sounds crazy saying it out loud, but there were people who believed this. Paul writes in chapter 6, verse 1, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, there were people going around saying, you know what, if we, if we keep going around sinning, that gives more opportunity for God's grace to flourish. Because there's so much sin, God can forgive so much. And Paul would say, no, that is a horrible way of thinking. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Right? So, so God's grace, the grace of your spouse, the grace of your parents, the grace of your boss, Whoever, it's not a license to sin. I had uh, one high school teacher put it this way: If you're gonna, if you're gonna engage in that line of thinking, right, then now you're, you've crossed over from this inadvertent sin to this this plan to sin. Right, and you're you're presuming on God's grace. You don't. You do not want to presume on God's grace. So forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is not the same as trust. Forgiveness isn't to be held hostage. It should be freely given. As much as we may want it to, forgiveness doesn't make things the way they used to be. Things may be different, but God, thankfully, can make something new. And forgiveness is not a license to sin. So, I need, I need two volunteers, preferably a parent and a kid.
And you may ask, what am I volunteering for? <laughs> and I would say that you have wisdom in asking, what are you volunteering for? This would be a show of strength. Just put it that way. So maybe maybe an, an older kid and, and a parent. Anybody want to have a show of strength? Okay. Okay, but it's there's there's two sides to the coin. We need a we need a parent. Okay. Oh, should have said that the shouldn't have a bad back either. Okay. So, so Dave and Elizabeth, right? Two, right? Fit people, right? So Dave, you you exercise pretty often. You run, right? Okay. How far do you think you can run? Yeah. Like without stopping? Four or five miles? So four or five miles. Elizabeth, do you ever run with your dad? Not often. We did this week together. Okay. How far do you think you could run with your dad? It's probably holding you back, right? No? Okay. How much weight do you think you could carry and still run four to five miles? Uh, 20 pounds. <laughs> 20 pounds. Okay. Elizabeth, same question. Do you think you could put on one of those like weighted vests? No? Okay. Do you want to put one on now? Okay, so I have a backpack. It's empty. Dad, you want to check it out? Okay. okay, so Elizabeth, why don't you put on the backpack? Now, Dave said he could maybe add an extra 20 pounds and still run four or five miles. Okay, so does it feel heavy? Nope. nope. So let's say, let's say I have five pounds of sin, right? So Dave, you should put that in the backpack. Right? So you, you feel that, but not, right? It's not a backbreaker. Let's just say we have another five pounds. Okay, so do you feel like you could still sprint? Yes. Okay. I won't ask you to demonstrate. Uh, another five. So, (laughs) 
Okay, there we go. Okay, so how long do you think you could just hold that weight? Ten, twenty minutes. So we we've gone from maybe walking or running miles to sprinting. So now I think I can just stand here a few minutes. So we, we won't keep loading more. I didn't bring too much more. But uh, sin also does something else. It, it weighs us down. And it, it can often come between people. So I need you to hold this. And uh, try to give your dad a hug. <laughs> right, so, so Elizabeth has a problem. She's got like, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds on her back and this stupid exercise ball <laughs> that has come between her and her dad. Right? And this, this is what sin does. It weighs us down, and, and it comes between us, so that now when we try to reach out to other people, that there's something in the way, right? And that's, that's that broken fellowship with other people. That's that broken fellowship with God. We try to reach out to God, but there's something in the way. So what does God do? Now, Dave is going to play the part of Jesus. What does Jesus do? He takes it. So that's what Jesus does for us when we ask for forgiveness. He takes the weight. He takes the thing that is keeping us apart. So let's give a hand to Dave and Elizabeth. Right, when Dave took the weight, he took the exercise ball, right? He took it on himself. That is what God does for us when he forgives us. And we're also commanded to forgive others around us. And if we withhold forgiveness from other people, we're just adding another five pounds in the backpack. We're just adding another five pounds. And then we're wondering, why am I not going anywhere? Why aren't things changing? because we're holding on to that bitterness and not forgiving. So, with the introduction of the way, we could very quickly turn to Matthew chapter 18. So Matthew chapter 18, verses 15, all the way down through 35. We won't read the whole thing together, but this whole section is about forgiveness. The whole section is about forgiveness. 
and Jesus is talking with his disciples. And in Matthew 18, verse 21, Peter and Jesus start talking. Chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will I forgive my brother? As many times as seven? So remember, remember Peter's personality? Peter's actually kind of bragging on himself here because the, the standard of the day was three times. And then on the fourth time, I uh, might need to reconsider that. And it goes back to some Old Testament scriptures. So Peter thinks he's kind of ahead of the class, right? Oh, I'm going to forgive seven times. And Jesus has to put him in his place. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, for all the literalists out there, right, we don't, I don't keep a, sp a spreadsheet that says like, okay, Jody has forgiven me 70 times. I've only got seven left. I better use them carefully. And I've forgiven Jody 68 times, so, right? That would be an exhausting and miserable way of life if you were keeping that sheet. Jesus isn't saying keep track. He's saying as many times as needed. Don't stop forgiving. Verse, 20, verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payments to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. Have patience with me. I'll, I'll pay everything. Verse 27, And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. The master lifted that debt off of him. said, hey, you don't have to worry about this anymore. You don't have to worry about that debt anymore. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Okay, so where are my bookkeepers? One servant owed the other servant a hundred denarii. And this guy had just been forgiven 10,000 talents. So we're not even talking the same order of magnitude or type of money. One has been forgiven so much. And then he goes to settle this, this debt with his friend. But when the same servant went out, he found a fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me. I will pay you. This person who had been forgiven so much, what do they do in verse 30? He refused and went and put him in prison 
until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So if, if you're in that spot, right, where you're, you're having trouble forgiving someone. I know it can be difficult with all the pain, all the history, all the things that have been done to you. But ask God to help you understand what you have been forgiven of, what he has done for you. Because God can do the same thing in that person's life. That person who's hurt you, God can forgive them. He can redeem them. He can save them. And it may be your act of forgiveness that opens a doorway for God to work in that person's heart. It may or may not. Right? But if, if we who have been forgiven so much, we should not withhold forgiveness others around us. Consider God's grace in your life and ask him to help you extend that grace to others. Remember, it, it won't be easy. It's not the same as trusting that person. It's not going to make things the way they used to be. Right? But we are commanded to forgive others. I know we've run a little bit long tonight, but I, I want to close with a, a few thoughts on an article that I saw. Uh, Jody mentioned a few things that had been going on in Uvalde and some things that he had seen there. Uh, my first reading about this had happened while I was overseas, so I didn't really know or wasn't in contact with anyone. But as I was following the story, an article came out where the mom said she was asking for forgiveness for her, for her son, and, and people's reaction to that. Right? Oh, he doesn't deserve forgiveness. The mom doesn't deserve forgiveness. The dad doesn't deserve forgiveness. This whole, fam this whole family, this whole situation is just messed up. And look how it spiraled out of control. It, it, it won't be easy. It, it won't make things the way they used to be. But God is calling us to forgive. Right? And that, that's going to take time. Right? There's going to be a time of mourning, a time of healing. It can't be rushed. It can't be fabricated. But as we, as we look on from a distance, I hope that's a prayer in your heart that for the people who are involved, that God can bring them to a point of forgiveness. That yes, there will be justice. Yes, there will be understanding and, 
at all these different things. God does not look kindly on justice being neglected, but he also wants us to pursue forgiveness. So I, I hope that our hearts do not become hard, even though it has been a hard week, that we can still pray for and encourage forgiveness. So I want to leave you with a couple of questions to wrestle with. They're not difficult questions, but they can be difficult to wrestle with. What has God forgiven you of? And you know that. You know those things. Is there anyone in your life that you are withholding forgiveness from? As you read that, maybe a name or a face pops into your head. Uh, Ask the Lord to give you the time and the place and the way and the words to offer forgiveness to that person. Maybe you're on the flip side of that coin. Do you need to seek forgiveness from someone? Ask the Lord to give you the time and the place and the way and the words to seek forgiveness from someone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that you don't leave us, but that you walk with us through difficult days, through hard days. Lord, when people do things to us, you're with us. Mess up, we sin against others. You're waiting to to repent and come home. I thank you that you you walk with us, Lord. God, I pray that we, as a people of God, would be characterized. Lord, we know we're not perfect. We know we can be hypocritical, but God, I pray that we would be characterized by dealing with issues, by forgiving one another, by seeking restoration. Lord, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he has lifted our burdens off of us. All the things that we don't want anyone to know, Lord, he has lifted those off of us. And he took the punishment for those things. God, we thank you for your son and for for his grace and for his love. God, help us to forgive and to love like he did. We can't do it apart from you. We're powerless to do it apart from you. Thank you for being with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.